I was born in Ethiopia. And I'm from Sierra Leone. I was born in Reynosa, Mexico. My mom is Somali. My dad is Oromo. But I was born in Thailand in a refugee camp called Watanklaba. I grew up in Yemen, in Eden. The country is Guatemala. I was born in Northeast Albania. I was born in Dominican Republic. Welcome to Green Card Voices, the podcast. On this podcast, you'll hear firsthand narratives of immigrants in America, stories of their upbringing, stories of coming to America, and stories of adjusting and thriving in America. My name is Mahala Rastanaki, and I'm your host. A little about me. I was born in Ethiopia to an Ethiopian dad and an Eritrean mom. When I was seven, I moved to Papua New Guinea. I then celebrated my 10th birthday halfway across the world, living in Malawi. As life would have it, my parents eventually chose new life partners, one in the US, the other in Europe. Adjusting to new cultures, learning new languages, packing, unpacking, those are things I've done the majority of my life. So I know the unique opportunities and challenges this kind of life brings. And now, I'm an immigrant in America. And guess what? There are 46 million of us. The stories you will hear on this podcast are from other immigrants in America, just like myself. We'll be sharing some of the most thought-provoking, sometimes funny, sometimes disturbing, but always uplifting stories. You will hear it in their own words, in their authentic voices, unfiltered, and real. I kind of had a personality for STEM, but I didn't know that. I was a very curious child. I knew I was going to, you know, I wanted to help and make a difference. We hear a lot right now about the importance of STEM. Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics are at the center of almost everything that we do or encounter in our everyday lives. But did you know that immigrants are much more likely than U.S.-born residents to work in STEM professions? That in the last two decades, foreign-born Americans have won almost 40% of the Nobel Prizes in chemistry, medicine, and physics? and that all of the United States Nobel Prizes in 2016 were awarded to foreign-born Americans? Maybe some of you listeners are not at all surprised by these facts. But when immigration is discussed and debated, the contributions made by immigrants are often glossed over or simply ignored. In 2019, Green Card Voices published the book Green Card STEM Voices highlighting the stories of 20 immigrant STEM professionals. We are proud to kick off our first podcast episode with a story from one of the STEM authors, Ms. Fodimo Youssef. Fodimo has always been weird. At least, that's how she describes herself. And as you will soon hear, it is that ability to just be herself to take risks and try things that were a little outside the box that led her to pursue her education, to overcome the obstacles 
that crossed her path and to pursue her dream of becoming an engineer. Tell me about your life in Ethiopia. My life in Ethiopia, um, so I've lived there from uh, when I was little to about, till I was about 14. I grew up in a city called Chikchika. It was a very friendly, kind of very open neighborhood where all the kids and you know, adults you know, played in that you know, afternoon and you know, we played outside a lot, you know, typical child. And the school system is slightly, is, is very different. Um, and so uh, schools were half day. Um, so I used to go to regular school. So one month you go in the morning and then one month you go in the afternoon. You know, I went there from elementary to um, eighth grade. I used to uh, wake up really early, do some you know, chores and stuff like that. Then I would go to school um, if it's the month of the morning. And then in the afternoon, I'll come home, do the dishes, help making lunch, then um, go to Islamic uh, classes. And then, you know, in the afternoon when we come back home, you know, used to be a lot of uh, family time, um, you know, with people telling stories and sometimes even the whole neighborhood is very open, very friendly neighborhood and um, people would, you know, come to your house, you would go to different uh, people's houses. Sometimes, you know, people would just come outside and on the street and play and chat and um, it was kind of very vibrant. Take me back to that moment when you first found out you were coming to America. There's a, one organization that used to put up um, kind of on a wall on who was going and what day. Um, so one of my family members occasions used to go there and check you know, if we were posted on the wall. And so she went there one day and she came home running and screaming and happy and she's like, we are leaving in nine days. Um, I was in eighth grade, I was taking, um, we're supposed to leave on Monday and I had my final exams on Wednesday. So I was more worried about my exams than um, I did about leaving. You know, I was like, I have to pass this exam. And um, my thought was, okay, what if I, we go to the airport and they are like, oh, you're not going to America. I don't, I I don't want to you know, waste a year. I didn't want to kind of um, like waste my education. And so I was the whole time, you know, my family and people were going and shopping and getting ready. I was studying for my exam. I went to school on Friday to take the practice exam. And then we went to the airport on Monday and I was like, when I land in, in America at the airport, <laughs> they're like, you're here now, then I don't have to worry about the exam, but until then, you know. Um, so it was really, um, it, you know, it was exciting, but at the same time, it was a little bit nerve-wracking, and um, I wasn't even sure if we were actually going to go, um, because it took, the whole process really took really long time. Initially, we were supposed to come back in 98, um, and then, you know, the process didn't happen and then it restarted again in 2002 and this is 2006. So I was like, maybe we're going, maybe, I don't know, but I just knew, you know, I wanted to make sure that I got my education and I got, you know, um, take my test and pass it. So, yeah, so I, you know, I was planning to Monday, if, you know, if they're like, you're not going, I was ready to go back um, and take my exam on Wednesday. So we had to go to Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia, and then um, we Bole International Airport. Um, we left there, and then we went to Amsterdam. And I remember we had this huge IOM bag, and because nobody spoke English or any of it, that's kind of how we um, people. There, there were people at the different airports, and they looked for people with uh, bags that said IOM, and um, they guided us through. And I remember we sat at Amsterdam for like 
six hours, it was really long. It felt really long time. And then we came to New York and um, it, was a, it was a little bit confusing when we got to New York because it was even it was starting to get dark and it was supposed to be night. And then um, when we landed, the pilot said good morning and we got to New York and we were so confused, like, how is it at morning? <laughs> It was afternoon. It's supposed to be night, and um, you know we we sat, we stayed at uh, so we landed at uh, 7 a.m. in New York. We didn't even get to Minneapolis until like midnight that that day. So it was really long and um, not long in the sense of you know compared to other transportation moments. <laughs> but um, but you know I remember we sat at the airport and you know we didn't really know what to do. Somebody kind of guided us to chairs and said you know told us sit here and we just sat there. Um, and yeah, I, we, I walked up to one lady and I just said, time, like, because it was confusing. It's like, is it a morning? Is it a night? Like, what time is it? And, and so that, that's kind of what I remember. Um, but the most thing that kind of uh, struck me was that um, the flight attendants were smiling the whole time. And normally, you know, where I grew up, unless, you know, you don't really smile as much, um, especially to strangers. So it was kind of weird on why they were smiling. And so I remember them just smiling and like, I, like I, was just, I was just confused. Why are they smiling? <laughs> like, we didn't say joke or anything. Uh, so that's kind of what I remember from getting here. Let me remind you that smoking and the use of electronic cigarettes is not permitted on board and the use of electronic devices is permitted only in flight mode. Now sit back, relax and enjoy your flight. Describe to us what it was like when you first arrived. You know, a family member said, oh, it's, it's really hot today, it's 100 degrees outside. And I was like, it can't be 100 degrees. We would be cooking. I remember taking science class that that's, you know, water boils at 100 degrees. You can't, you know, I was like, we, we would have all been dead by now. And so she's like, no, it's, it, it is 100 degrees. And I'm like, no way, it's not possible. So she turned on the TV. She's like, see, just shy of 100 today, 99 was the high, but it felt like it was in the triple digits. We'll be in the 80s overnight. As we mentioned earlier, it's going to be very warm. And I'm like, your TV is probably lying. <laughs> And her husband was sitting there just laughing because he knew we were on two different um, systems. You know, I was, I was thinking in Celsius and she was, you know, Fahrenheit. And, um, you know, that was like a biggest culture shock and um, kind of learning the whole uh, system of like miles and inches and, you know, all of that uh, was a little bit of a culture shock. The food was great. I was actually really happy with food because I, I got, I ate so much pizza. It was the first time I've seen pizza. <laughs> like, um, I remember seeing it in like, you know, papers and like sometimes in like commercials and, you know, TV and stuff like that, but we didn't really um, have pizza. So uh, when I got here, I, you know, and, and, you know, she bought us pizza. It was amazing. And every day I'd be like, can we get pizza? She's like, we can't have that every day. <laughs> first question was okay when can I start school so they're like school is out like it's summer there's no school and I'm like but I want to go to school I want to get registered and so I did not know English I knew very like limited like maybe few words like water time basic you know stuff like that um, so I was put in uh, like the lowest ELL like class you know you had to learn the language you had to learn um, all these other um, subjects too 
and then trying to navigate through the school system is it's drastically different, you know, than what I'm used to. Um, you know, I can't really communicate with my teachers as much as I did, you know, uh, back in Ethiopia. And um, so it was, you know, learning the culture, learning the language, trying to figure out how does the education system work. And I knew I'm like, I want to go to college. How does that happen? How do I go to college? What do I need to do? And just talking to, you know, whatever teacher I could find that I com could communicate with, and um, and 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 figuring that out uh, but the biggest challenge was really um, how what are the like knowing what the opportunities are so what are the opportunities there um, how do I learn enough English so that I can go to college um, you know even finding out there's something called ACT that I needed to study for and kind of uh, really the challenge was you're in this completely new environment your parents never went through you know your family members have no idea and then all of a sudden you kind of have to figure out how you're gonna succeed and how you're gonna um, do all these requirements you know, when you grow up in an environment, you make friends and people that you have known since you were a kid. Um, and so kind of losing a lot of your friends and when you're, um, you know, teenager, friends are kind of like the <laughs> most important, kind of very important people, you know, part of your life. And so uh, moving away from, you know, my friends and the community and the culture I was kind of used to, um, it was um, it was kind of a, it was a little bit scary, but it, but I knew at the end of the day, uh, my parents were making this choice for, you know, for us and because, you know, there was, better opportunities there for us and um, in terms of, you know, education and life and safety. You are listening to Green Card Voices podcast. Fatimo's story is part of our new collection of 20 immigrant stories of STEM professionals living in Minnesota. For more information or to order a book, please visit the Green Card Voices website. There was a lot of opportunities, um, and then there's also a lot of challenges. Um, the opportunities are, I mean, it, like the idea that I could become anything I wanted to, and um, the idea that there's scholarships out there um, that are specifically tailored to help people that might not be able to afford. And that was my biggest worry as I was, I, you know, transitioning into going to college because I can't take interest. So I can't take student loans um, unless they're interest free. Um, so there are some available, but you know, it's not, you know, a lot. So I applied to a lot of scholarships. I mean, um, I think I applied to over to over 10 or 12 scholarships and I ended up getting about seven of them. Um, the biggest one being um, Gates, I'm a Gates Millennium, uh, Millennium Scholar. And um, the Gates Scholarship was just the greatest opportunity uh, for me that really enabled me to not only get my bachelor's but also my master's and, um, and, and you know, uh, so there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, like really, I, I couldn't have asked for a better place to be in the world. I, not only could I study everything I wanted, there were people who were nice and kind enough, willing to give me their money that they earned, that they worked hard for, so I can have a better future and, 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 and get a, you know, education. So to me, that was really amazing and, and, and very inspiring um, opportunity. Um, challenges are, um, you know, Basically, I was the first generation. I didn't really have a lot of guidance, and so it was a lot of like um, had to uh, do my own uh, kind of trying to figure out what the opportunities are, um, meeting people, figuring out okay, there's something called office hours you're supposed to go to. Um, you know, how do I this? I mean, this huge university, and I you know I started going PSEO, so that helped me a little bit. Um, so I was going to the uh, U of M when I was still in high school, so that helped me a little bit. But it's it's still you know when I was uh, undergrad it was a lot of kind of learning and figuring out and sometimes about you know 
what classes are you supposed to take and um, so those you know just challenges like that and um, and it's not easy when it's you know usually you're the only person kind of different from everybody around you and uh, it's uh, yeah so there are some challenges but at the end of the day I think the opportunities greatly overweighted you know any challenges that I, I had. I kind of had a personality for STEM, but I didn't know that. I was a very curious child. Um, I liked learning different things. I liked um, eating foods that I've, you know, not known. Um, and I remember, you know, as a child, every time we go to, a, a, like, a travel to a different city or go to, and my mom used to travel a lot, so I would go with her. And every time we go to a different city, um, I, you know, when we go to a restaurant, I will ask for the food that I didn't know. And um, I, she made a deal with me that what, even if it was a monster with eyes, I would eat it. Um, because I was wasting a lot of food if the food was that, that great or it was like something I'm not used to eating. Um, and so um, kind of uh, I had that personality. I was very curious. I loved experimenting with different things. Was there anyone in particular that inspired you to go into STEM? When I um, was going to high school, uh, I had a teacher uh, called uh, Dr. Claire Hippolyte, and uh, she, you know, she has a, a bachelor's and a PhD in chemical chemical engineering. But she, you know, specifically chose to teach at that high school mainly because that's where she felt she could make a difference. Um, so she, one day she came to me and she's like, "Hey, Fatima, what do you want to be?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to become a doctor um, because you know that's kind of." The only I didn't really I, I knew I was gonna you know wanted to help and make a difference but that was you know one of the few career options that I knew was available to me and she's like um, like are you sure about this have you looked into other career you know um, options I was like oh I don't need to I volunteer at Children's Hospital I'm gonna go and become a, a doctor and then one day she came to me she's like hey I'm starting this um, uh, club after school club called invention club you can come and invent whatever you want and then I'll give you resources and you know I was like oh I I don't have uh, somebody to to take me home. I don't have a ride because uh, you know my parents didn't drive, and um, it was either you know if you missed the you know school bus, um, that was it was it was difficult to to find transportation back home. So she said you know I'll give you tokens home, and you can use that to go home. And I was like great. So I wanted to. Um, it was my job to cook, and I would rather read and like do school related stuff. So I just felt I was wasting a lot of time and um, I wanted to invent a machine that I can put all the ingredients and press a button in five minutes, it'll give me the food I wanted to make. And after looking into it a little bit, um, I realized I really didn't have the skills to, to do that. And then um, kind of I was, you know, as I was thinking through, I, I read an article about um, women in remote areas that get infected by HIV and they don't, you know, they might not necessarily have access to um, devices that can, um, you know, tell them that, you know, you have an HIV, you know, or anything like that. Um, and so I wanted to make something. And so I told her I want to invent an HIV testing device. She's like, cool, how are you going to do that? And I was like, I don't know, let me Google some stuff. <laughs> so um, I kind of started um, looking into it and uh, trying to design and okay how do people figure out if somebody has a disease and like kind of reading what methodologies are and my professor was kind of involved with or my teacher um, and like uh, she introduced me to the field of like microfluidics where you can um, you know uh, 
like kind of a, at a smaller scale, kind of manipulate how fluid flows and stuff like that. And uh, she took me to different labs and she showed me um, how some people were doing research. My idea was um, make a device where your blood can flow through and as it flows through, different things happen that can tell you whether you have HIV or not. Um, so at the end of that, um, you know, and when the school closed, I would, I still used to go uh, over the summer and she would come in the summer and sometimes she would meet me at uh, Central Library in downtown and um, she taught me how to do research, how to read research papers, how to do, you know, write papers in like an MLA format. Um, by the end of it, I was like, who makes these things? I want to do this. Um, and she's like, great, I knew you would love this. <laughs> so she's like, oh, engineers. I'm like, oh, engineers, I thought they just build roads and are in the sun all day. And, you know, she's like, no, there's whole other side of, of engineering that people um, don't always know and so she introduced me to the world of medical device industry and you know I was like okay where do they work and she, she told me one specific company and um, then I you know I went I studied mechanical engineering and then um, I got my bachelor's in mechanical engineering and then uh, my master's also in mechanical engineering and my first job out of college was actually the company she told me so I sent her an email I was like guess what you know <laughs> I become an engineer and this is where I work and you know the company you, you told me about so I, you know just sent her a thank you you know. When you're in an environment and you're um, you know, very different from everybody else. Sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating. And um, sometimes, you know, you're like, oh my God, these people have been, you know, prepared for this since they were kids. I'm here, I'm trying to learn that language. I'm trying to do all these different things. And sometimes you feel kind of out of place, uh, but just, you know, use your identity as an asset rather than seeing it as a liability or something that can kind of hold you back. Regardless of where you are in your life or what, you know, culture or community you're in, um, everybody has a challenge, you know, even people who were born here, the people that just came, the ones that been here for generations and everybody has their own personal challenges and struggles they're going through. Um, so just keeping in th that in mind that you're not the only one, you know, is struggling or going through some stuff uh, it was, is, is really important and kind of uh, is what kept to me going um, and just showing up was the other thing just show up um, you know some days you feel like a failure but and, and you see you experience some setbacks but that should never be the end of, of your goals and your dreams it should be like okay I had to setback, you know or a little failure here it's okay you know bounce back and okay what can I do different So professionally, I work in the medical device industry and I work as a, a PD engineer and basically it's an interface between the research and development and, you know, in researching an idea, coming up with a concept and designing the device and into getting it to manufacturing, taking that idea or that concept or that design and turning it into an actual device and then supporting um, the, the builds to get the device approved uh, by like regulatory bodies like FDA or so. Um, and then uh, once um, the device is approved and we can get it to the market, then uh, helping, you know, transitioning that to manufacturing so that that device can be made available to people um, kind of, you know, in a lot of different places on, you know, in the world. So professionally, you know, however little it might be, um, you know, my contribution is um, trying to get new technologies and new devices that can help 
uh, people um, into the market and you know whether it's uh, you know researching or designing it or uh, building it and you know just work that, that's kind of what I do day-to-day -day work um, so I feel like I'm making contributions that way. Um, in terms of my community, um, I go to a lot of schools, I talk to young girls, I mentor, um, you know, and, and just showing them the opportunities and um, availability of, of resources um, for them to kind of learn or grow or um, do, you know, different things. One of my mentees is actually graduating this year from U of M in mechanical engineering, so I'm super excited. Um, and, you know, just, just showing that, you know, you can still be who you are and, you know, have all the different aspects of your identity and still have a career and succeed. And so just sharing my experiences, be comfortable with who you are, be comfortable with your identity. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be, you know, uh, no, no two people on planet Earth are, are the same. Um, so just kind of embracing your identity and all the different, the depth of, you know, who we are and all the different aspects of our life. And so those are the very my small kind of um, contributions, but I do plan to contribute a lot more than uh, I have so far. Green Card Voices is dedicated to building bridges between immigrants and their communities across the country. We have seen that when stories of our shared experiences and hopes are told, we build connections and a deeper understanding of one another. Green Card Voices videos, books, and bi-weekly podcast episodes are available at greencardvoices.com. Thank you to our sponsors, the Eastside Funders Group and the Minnesota Twins. Your support makes this podcast possible. Subscribe to Green Card Voices podcast on Apple Podcast. Thank you. For listening and thank you for your support. But I'm a Namasek Kanadlan. Yak Anila.